James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We could add slow, slow to snap, slow to tweet, slow to post. We could, we could add all that. Maybe, maybe we should all print this verse out and put it right down at the bottom of our keyboard. Maybe print real small and stick it on your, on your uh, phone if necessary. I've had a week which I needed. Quite honestly, at the beginning of this week, I was uh, annoyed as probably a little, little light. And I, I get here today with you angry, hopefully righteously angry, because it took time for this to stir inside of me and really know what to say when I finally got the mic. I hope to honor God with these few minutes and uh, hope to lead us well with these few minutes. <laughs> After a whole week of thinking about it, I want to say this. Praise Jesus, we lost the Civil War, right? Uh, my only regret is that Robert E. Lee uh, chose to fight for the South. I wish so badly that he had fought for the North. He would have been the greatest general in the history of our nation. That war would have been over like that. Slaves would have been free, and then we could have started over. I want you to stew on that. So thankful that God rose up Martin Luther King Jr. to lead a, a revival of sorts in our country where we actually again were awakened to the reality that the black man and the black woman in our country are made in God's image and therefore must be treated equally. What a tremendous service to our nation. And here we are again. What has uh, been extremely frustrating over the last few days is to watch the church respond. Left and right, right and left. Uh, I've been embarrassed, quite honestly, by what we throw up on the Internet without a second thought. So I come here today, uh, I hope to lead us away from all that and to go back to this simple verse, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because for some of you, and at our church, the majority of you have these Republican glasses on and you can't read the word of God without taking them off. And that ought to scare you to death. That you're actually holding your views of politics over God's word. And let me just say, one of the beauties of Radius is we, we have a variety. So we also have a percentage of folks that have got on the Democratic glasses and they cannot read God's word without looking through those lenses. And so I'm just, I'm admonishing you right now. I'm asking you, I'm begging you to take the glasses off and let's read his word and let it dominate us and change us. We have uh, chosen to walk through Psalm 8 today. We're doing it at all five campuses. I'm leading the online campus right now. It's this uh, simple, powerful psalm that David wrote, and it is excellent for this moment, this, this moment where we have this great racial conversation going on in our nation. Let me read it to you. Oh, Lord, our God, your majestic name fills the earth. 
I've heard a lot of names that are supposed to fill the earth this week. But only one is majestic. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere, what are mere mortar, mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God, some translations say the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. Catch the last line. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. A songwriter repeats the line. He really wants to drive it home, and certainly that's true in the Psalms. And David is putting it out in front of us over and over. Your majestic name fills the earth. You dominate the earth with your great name. And so it becomes baffling to me when when, uh, we can't state our relationship with Jesus first. Like, so I am a Christian who happens to be white. You might be a Christian who happens to be black or yellow or red. But we constantly want to say he's a black Christian or she's a red Christian. And, and we, we want to put that first as opposed to stating the majestic name of Christ first and holding it high. And the next thing you know, we divide over that first word, white, black, red, or yellow, instead of unify over that, that word Christian or Christ or Jesus the great king, the majestic name that fills the earth. One day, those of us that know Jesus, we're going we're to meet him in heaven, and it is going to be a party. He's going to lead the party. He's the lamb. He's the one who sacrificed himself, and we are going to glorify his name. It, we're going with all our might, and what's going to end up happening is you're going to be standing there with somebody that's a different color, Right? There's going to be a, a, a black lady standing beside. She's going to sing a little different tune to you. And there's going to be an Asian lady on your left. She's going to be singing a little different. There's going to be an Indian man over here. There's going to be a Hispanic boy right over there. We're all going to be singing to the lamb and calling him great. We're going to be so overwhelmed with it that uh, <laughs> we're not going to care about what language or what culture we come from or what color our skin is, we're going to be overwhelmed with the fact that we're standing at the feet of the Lamb. This is a great verse in Revelation that has the Apostle John looking into heaven. He writes this, After this I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. That means that someday... If you're black right now, you're going to be black in heaven. If you're white right now, if you're red, yellow, 
That's what you're going to be in heaven. But we're going to be, I, I, I'm no longer, I'm no going to have all these flaws to me. I'm going to be a new man in heaven, but my color is not, I'm going to be there as the man that I am today in front of the living God. And guess what? Well, we are going to be so ecstatic about the King of Kings, the King of glory, that we could care less. We would never in his presence bring glory to ourselves because of anything, much less the color of our skin or the language that we speak or the type of music that we like to sing. This is all going to be about Jesus. And the church right now in the United States needs to stand up and say that that is the truth. We're all about Jesus. And take these ridiculous glasses off that cloud our vision as we open God's word and allow God's word to wash over our souls and transform us. This is an amazing uh, passage I read in James, and uh, it really highlights uh, some of what the writer in Psalms is instilling. The writer of Psalms, David, is he's trying to just lay the tracks that were all made in the image of God. He, he, he literally has this crazy line. He says that, uh, you, how do you even consider us? We're just mere mortals in light of the great monster sun and moon. And, and yet there's something so special about us because you made us a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. In other words, God has actually taken his majesty and he's manifested it into in his supreme creation, which is me. So that when I see when I see a police officer made in God's image with his knee on the neck of another man, George Floyd, who was made in God's image, and I see the life snuffed out of the man on the ground, it makes me sick. And it should make you sick. It should bother your heart. It should bother your heart when uh, you're at the high school and Young black man's dating a young white lady, and depends on who's talking, who makes fun of them because of that relationship. It should just bother your heart. Both made in the image of God. <laughs> How is that so confusing, right? It should really bother your heart when you hear stories of babies being dismembered in the wombs of their mothers. That's an assault against. Man who is made in the image of God, it's an affront to God's glory. It should bother our heart when an old man or an old woman left in a nursing home there to rot and die and has not been cared for. It should bother our hearts. <laughs> They're made in the image of God, a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. That's what this thing's all about this week. For you and me, the followers of Jesus, you take the glasses off and read the Bible. We are the people who are about the glory of the Lamb of God. And when we're about the glory of the Lamb of God, then we, we love the people that are made in his image. And we uh, are thrilled for the young couple who gets pregnant. 
as opposed to telling them how hard it's going to be and how much they're going to lose and how much money it's going to cost them. We're thrilled for the young man and woman who are pregnant because they're about to have a child. And, and even in the womb, he represents the image of God. And so we celebrate pregnancy. We celebrate having children. That's who we are because we're all about the glory of God. One day we're going to do that perfectly in his presence. But even today, church, that's who we're supposed to be. James says it like this in chapter 2. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Paul always calls them dear brothers and sisters. When, when James and Paul, Peter, they, they speak nicely to the folks right when they're going to say something heavy. And I love that he says brothers and sisters because it reminds us that we are a family. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in the world to be the rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble, noble name you bear? I don't care which set of glasses you're wearing right now. I swear we look like followers of whatever they say, right or left. It's embarrassing when we serve the king of kings. Verse 8, yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Some folks have said whenever I speak about race, they think I speak too much about it. That uh, I make them feel guilty. That might be true. I tend to not be a manipulative preacher. I try not to be. I try to trust the word and trust the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to ask in your heart, are you guilty? When I said that I was glad that we lost the Civil War, did that bother you? If it did, you're probably guilty. Here's the good news. Jesus came for the guilty. Jesus came to forgive the guilty. And so if you've got a little seed of racism in you right now, repent. You know what struck me this week? Jesus actually established the church through 11 racists. He took the 11 apostles, right, who were all bent against all the Gentiles in the world. They literally thought that unless you were Jewish, you were not acceptable. And he taught them. He taught them over three years, and they, they couldn't get him. I don't know if you remember him. He meet the women at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, and he, he actually walks them through the process of how to love somebody that doesn't look like them, to love their neighbor and to not show favor. Before long, uh, the day of Pentecost comes. That's what's going on this weekend. This weekend, if you, according to the church calendar, celebrates the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes down on Peter and he speaks the gospel in folks from all different languages, all different colors, <laughs> all different cultures believe in Jesus. 3,000 were added to that number that day. And all of a sudden the church became diverse. It went from being just Jews to being diverse as soon as the Holy Spirit. So just so you know, the Holy Spirit has never been in pre presence in the church when it's only been one color. From the very beginning, it was a diverse church, and all were equal. 
both in the image of God, as children of God, because they were created by God, but also as children of God, saved by God when folks came to Christ that day of Pentecost. So we show sure enough better take off these glasses and read the word and allow it to be alive and bring hope to a land that needs it so bad right now because we know how to care for our neighbors, regardless of color. Uh, <laughs> Peter, Peter's my man because he keeps screwing up, and I think probably some of you are like Peter right now. You uh, came to Jesus. You were transformed. Peter actually went on a mission in a couple times as he served the Lord to actually go across racial lines to reach people. One night, you remember when Peter has this vision in Acts? He has this vision of a sheet and all the different types of food on it. For, for those of y'all from the South, this, it's got barbecue on it, and now Peter can eat it. And, and he goes on this, he follows leading of the Holy Spirit, and he goes and meets this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius the Gentile, and Peter leads him and a bunch of his buddies and their families to Christ, and they have a barbecue like no other, lots of fried food, lots of things that weren't on the Daniel diet, and, and Peter was, I imagine he put on a few pounds, Peter was loving life and loving the freedom that he could have by, by just hanging out with people who were different with him, but the same in Jesus Christ. And so, after some time has passed, we find in Galatians, Peter's in this town called Antioch. Antioch, there's a church in this town called Antioch that's just terrific. It sends out missionaries. It plants churches. It makes us Iradies look really lightweight. Sends church planters all over the place. Paul rolls up to a, uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it, a potluck meal maybe at Antioch. Everybody's sitting and eating, and he sees Peter. Over there at the eight-foot white table right there with all Jewish folks. And he asked around a little bit what happened. And just, just, just check out how it reads in Galatians chapter 2. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. We talk about Peter, right? Like Peter is, is the stud of the New Testament outside of Paul. And Paul and Peter, the two big dogs, are going head to head. And Peter uh, is confronted by Paul in front of everybody. That's how big a deal this is, in front of everybody. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers over here who ate barbecue, and, and they had a good time, and he sat with them, and, and all the Gentiles and Jews were together over here in the room and enjoying the potluck together. Let's check it out. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. <laughs> he was afraid of criticism from those people who had insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers following Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led away by their hypocrisy. You hear what word the Bible uses to explain this racist moment in Peter's life? He just calls it what it is, man. Look, you were sitting there with them, and now you got some pressure from these folks, and and, and, and you came all, you, you moved all the way out to the suburbs and just lived with them. What's that all about? I thought, I thought that you were on mission to lead them to, to Jesus. And Paul just calls him out. Verse 14 reads like this. And when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, 
I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you are Jew by birth and have discarded Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? How did you sell out on this so fast? Now, in this passage, in the whole book of Galatians, you've got uh, this deep message about how connected to the law we can become. And Paul's confronting this fact that Peter has moved back toward the law. And at the same time, he has shown this tendency that celebrates Jews. And he shoots it down. And I'm shooting it down right now. If you have anything in you that celebrates yourself because of your color, repent. Say you're sorry. God built his church on those type of folks. He can build it on us. And and I'm not just talking to white folks here. Right? There's, there's some black folks taking this in. When you see a black man marry a white woman, you, uh, you hit the roof. <clears throat> I don't know what that is. Sounds like sin to me. <clears throat> Let me read to you this other passage. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. After a week of stewing on this, seeing riots on every web page, actually seeing the right and left line up for a couple minutes politically and then go right back to politicizing everything. Asking my questions, questions in my mind when the riots get violent, I'm I kind of remember the Boston Tea Party (laughs) kind of established our nation on destroying goods and violence, even. I remember what we did when the guy blew up the abortion clinic and how the nation reacted to that. Honestly, all all of that's really complicated. I, I can't get my head around it. And so with all that in my head, there's nothing for me to say on that subject. So I hold my tongue. And I wait, and I just want to encourage some of y'all to hold your tongue. Stop putting stuff out there. And let's go on mission together. Let me help you understand just a little bit, because the majority of our audience is white, uh, what your black brothers and sisters are working through right now. 52-year-old black man, talked to this week, friend of mine for a long time. Told me when he got saved as a teenager, this white man led him to the Lord. So he started going to an all-white church. And this white man who led him to the Lord taught him that he was the descendant of Ham and that he was accursed. His race was accursed. (laughs) And because my friend was so excited to know Jesus, his eyes were focused on Jesus. I mean, he just took it for what it was and said, so I'm accursed, but I know Jesus. (laughs) That's is an utter lie from hell. Nothing infuriates me more than when somebody takes the scriptures and uses them like Satan to argue for, their, for, for anything, but certainly to demean a whole people group, just to hold your, the color of your skin high. What a, what a horrendous teaching. And yet, my friend heard that when he was a teenager, 
took it in and dealt with it, continued to follow Jesus, which speaks a tremendous testament to him, has raised the family and done a super job following the Lord for a bunch of years, but you still put that, that lie in his heart so many years ago. And he had to sort it out. And the church is putting that lie in lots of folks' ears. and It's come in and it's a tragedy. I had a 35-year-old black man that I spoke to uh, in the last few days just asked me this simple question that I thought is great for you if you're a white man or woman sitting there wondering, trying to, trying to understand what's going on. He goes, what happens in the room when I leave? In essence, what happens in the room when it's all white folks and, and there's this question, what do, you, what do y'all talk about? Do, do you, are there racial slurs? Do you change how you talk about us as black men and women? Do you change it when we walk out of the room? And, you know, so I, my answer to him is I'm probably not a good person to ask because I'm, if I'm in the room, nobody's going to say anything because I'm going to call them out. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you here right now, Radius, I know how this works. And you know how this works. And today is the beginning of a new day. If you hear something, certainly. I've never heard anything like that at Radius, ever. But if you hear something at Radius, on the job, anywhere, it's your moment to stand up for the glory of God and argue that that this man is made in his image and to hush up. Call him out in the moment. Absolutely, the way it should be. At the same time, we've got some folks taking this in that are almost feeling guilty for being white and being quote privileged, right? So, like, like you actually do. I need to repent of that? Absolutely not. If the Lord placed you, I mean, obviously, if your skin's white, then you're white. And in our country, that gives you a little privilege. And some of us have great privilege in that we were educated or or get or inherited wealth or given opportunity. Then, yeah. So, so then you're white and privileged. So what? But if you're white and privileged, then you have this obligation, even this responsibility to share it. It's not complicated. Just don't hoard it. Don't use it all up. Seems like we keep taking and taking because we can consume so much. We consume it all instead of sharing the opportunities and the resources, the contacts. This is great responsibility placed on you when you have privilege. Talked to a 31-year-old black man last night, and he said, you know, we talk a lot about white privilege. He goes, but I'm black and I'm privileged. And as he unpacked it, which I'm sure is not very popular to say right now, he knows Jesus, and he's been given some interesting opportunities. And he goes, it's my responsibility to share that privilege, to, to take the gifts that are given me and give them away. Hey, we got a mission statement here at Radius. It's not very complicated, but not to oversimplify, it is the way to get at the race issue, right? We say that we want Radius Church exists to glorify God by making disciples. <laughs> and, and, and so we can be a little bit more intentional, perhaps, of making disciples of folks of all colors. It'd be a great job. Some of y'all are really positioned well to do that, and we need you to to cross over racial lines and cultural lines, and some of you can even cross over linguistic lines and get the folks and share the good news about Jesus and then teach them about who Jesus is, not about how our culture works, but about who Jesus is and 
perhaps we could really make a difference over the course of five years. We're not going to do much in the course of five days, so a bunch of venting online ain't going to get a whole lot done. We said we're going to plant churches. Gives us the opportunity to raise up leaders, raise up leaders of multiple colors and cultures and even languages, and potentially in the Midlands, we can produce all sorts of leadership, which will then impact the actual color or hopefully mosaic of the bodies of Radius Church. And then finally, just live generously. This is a great opportunity if you're in the 29072, which is a fairly wealthy zip code in South Carolina, to take what we got and pass it along to others. We've done that for a long time. We'll continue to do that. I'm proud of us for the way we do that. We're going to keep doing it. And hopefully in five years, you look back, as I had one conversation with another black man, he said, man, I, I, it's really not about what you say right now. It's about what you're going to do. And generally, when you do something, it takes time. So I don't, I don't think what we need to do is call one of the churches that's primarily black and take our primarily white church and meet out in the parking lot and pray. I think it'd be interesting if you would just fast and pray, period. Because something about it seems more exciting if we're going to invite a couple churches to get together. But I'll be straight with you. We just need to get a few people to pray. Like pray about this issue instead of posting it, putting on the glasses and arguing at all this garbage. I am convinced that the enemy is taking this. He's even taking COVID. There's a variety of things and trying to divide us as a nation and divide specifically us as a church. This is a moment to act like we're family. And pray on Wednesday, Cheryl and I are going to take the day to fast and pray. Fasting means we're not going to eat. Is that important? We're going to pray about this issue. Got some others as well. We're going to pray about this. If you're serious about it, like, like before you put another thing on the Internet, decide you're not going to eat on Wednesday. Like you're going to skip breakfast and lunch and eat dinner. That's how we do it. We, we eat the dinner the night before, and then we skip breakfast. Yeah, and it hurts in the afternoon. It's just this moment for me to remember to focus my eyes on Jesus and ask him to intercede on an issue that our nation has spilled blood over for hundreds and hundreds of years at this point. I trust you'll pray with me. Let's pray now. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Some moments this week where I was so self-righteous, so annoyed with brothers and sisters who are up in arms about racial issues and I've never heard their voice before and I really felt better than them and it took me days to recognize how broken that was. So I'm sorry for it, but I'm thankful, Jesus, that you pursue me and you're patient with me in my sin and you rescue me from it. I know, I know there's some great people at Radius and they're kind of self-righteous about this racial issue. And I, Lord, I pray you bring them to confession right now. Others, Lord, have been dealt this hand since they were born. People have planted in their mind these racist ideas. And I pray you bring them to repentance. That today be a day that they can say they're sorry. 
It'd be a day, Jesus, that you'd patiently walk them to being great ambassadors of the true gospel to folks of all colors. That potentially they'd even be intentional about loving and reaching out folks that don't look like them. There's some folks, Lord, at Radius so confused. It's been so much chatter. Some of our younger people are afraid to write or say anything because they're afraid they'd say it wrong. Pray, Lord, that you would help them relax and be real and rest in you today. And even as we get ready to worship, that they could move back to calling you great and saying that your name is majestic. It's above all other names, and they'd find some rest in it when our nation is in such chaos. Please, Lord, keep us together here at Radius and use us as a, as, as a loud voice in our community showing humility and grace to one another, to others that are our neighbors. Oh, use us, Lord, in, this, in these coming days and weeks and, and months. I trust you with this now in Jesus' name. Amen.